Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the Arlington Chamber of Commerce. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, John Yetman, AEG, Mike Ross, now Arlington Chamber of Commerce, and Chris Shiplett, Randolph Law. And our guests today are Stephen Woda, CEO of You Know, followed by Jody Hughes, Regional President, Greater Washington Region, BB&T Bank, Brian Johnson, CEO of Divi Cloud, and Bruce McNamer, President and CEO of the Greater Washington Community Foundation. Let's get to know our first guest, Stephen Woda, CEO of You Know. Brian, uh, Stephen, what is uh, what is You Know? What are you guys doing? You Know is a company that helps moms and dads keep their kids safe online and on the mobile phone. Hmm. How large or how small is this organization? Got about a dozen folks, uh-huh. and, and over the years, we've protected about a quarter million kids. Why'd this business get started? Why'd you start this business? Well, I had a, uh, at the time, uh, we started the company in 2009, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had a 14-year-old nephew who uh, fell victim to an online predator, and it inspired us to kind of get out there and do something to help moms and dads. Mm -hmm. You ever been in business before? Yeah, ever since I was a kid. When I, I, first time I sold bubble yum bubble gum to kids in kindergarten to make mm-hmm. some money um, uh-huh. all the way to uh, right before I started you know I founded a company called BuySafe which was an e-commerce safety company. Uh-huh. You told us earlier that uh, when you were 12 you were delivering newspapers. What did you do different than all the other kids that did that? <laughs> well I delivered a lot of newspapers. I delivered uh, four or five different routes. Um, hustle, hustle, hustle and uh, uh-huh. And uh, and you know one of the things about delivering newspapers is you got to get up every morning, rain, snow. What's that have to wind. do with building a couple businesses? Well, I think that's part of it. What yeah, do you mean? Yeah, getting up at five a.m. every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was a blizzard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you had to still deliver the newspaper and, and then hustle. With, what's yeah. that have to do with building a business? Though? I'm not sure. I see the well, connection: blizzards and business. And great question. Start, starting a company is all about doing those things, right? Uh-huh. It's about uh, you know. Didn't you mention something you were involved with golf when you were 14? What was your role uh, with golf when you were 14? I did. I I played uh, golf at an early age and got to be one of the top 10 golfers Chris, didn't you have a question about the golf stuff? I did. I understand you were top 10 in the world. You had told us earlier as a child, but you're no longer, you're not a professional golfer now. Tell us what happened. Reality hit me. (laughs) So I went uh, to school on a golf scholarship, and while I was there, I learned... uh, that there were a lot of other good players out there and discovered uh, um, that, you know, by the time I was a junior in school, I hadn't kept up with everybody else. And so I made a decision to, to move on. And that was hard. And then that's actually, I think, a, it was an interesting lesson for me and something that's carried over into being an entrepreneur. So. In, in what way would you say that's, that's carried over that lesson? Well, being an entrepreneur is um, has ups and downs, as, as anyone who's been an entrepreneur knows. So one day is great, the next day is, is tough. Um, and being able to, you know, go with those ups when you, you know, raise, you know, 20 million bucks, that's pretty cool and exciting. Um, but when you uh, have to fire half your staff because uh, you lost a big partnership or something changed that you had nothing to do, you could not have uh, foreseen is, is pretty tough, too. So I think, you know, one of the things about golf is, you you know, and being an entrepreneur um, that mm-hmm. brings those things together. Is every day is different. Michael? Uh, you mentioned earlier you kind of had an interesting background with your dad being a captain of the Navy. Uh, how many schools did you go to before uh, before graduating high school? Yeah, um, five or six. And, you know, we moved uh, quite a bit as when I was growing up. And, um, you know, so you had to learn how to kind of fit fit in when you moved uh, somewhere new. And, and How did um, you go about fitting in? How did you do that? Well, I think, you know, for me as a, as a young man, sports was a big thing. So, you know whether that's playing t-ball with my friends football mm-hmm. um whatever that was what was your role in the what was your role in the football team i played quarterback you were the quarterback. how about in terms of how you affected the team what was your personality on the team i tended to be pretty social so mm-hmm. i was the the kid who was organizing and and uh you know if it were a let's say a stickball game down in the in the you know end of the court i was the one who was knocking around everybody's doors and getting them to go out and, and uh get pl- to get to out there is there anything playing. about that personality trait that has anything to do with your business success 
Yeah, I think it's everything to do with it. I think as an entrepreneur, um, you start with nothing. And, uh, you know, you, you, have, you have nothing. You have no money. You have no business product. You have no office. And, um, and you have to learn how to actually organize those things. And more importantly, I think, is convincing people to be involved, whether that be, yes, you have to convince customers, you have to convince investors, but you have to convince your spouse and your early employees, and they have to believe in you. And so I think mm -hmm. those things as a kid, trying to organize, get people mm -hmm. to do things, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, gotcha. it's important. John? Stephen, who was the biggest influence on you growing up? Oh, my mom and dad, definitely. My mom. How so? Yeah, great question. My mom was an entrepreneur. She uh, started a couple of businesses. She was a real estate agent, so by definition, she was an entrepreneur on a daily basis. So I think I learned um, how to take, you know, the be comfortable with risk and to try new things with her. And my dad was a captain in the Navy. And uh, anyone who's been a, a son or daughter of a, a naval captain knows you you kind of have to you know do things right. How many brothers? <laughs> how many brothers and sisters do you have? I had a younger brother and a younger sister. So you're the oldest of three. I was the oldest of uh -huh. three. What what effect did dad's uh, not necessarily being home have on you as a child being the older brother? Well, you're kind of the natural leader amongst your your uh, siblings, right? And um, and my dad, being in the Navy, was often uh, at, at when I was in, at a young age was out at sea, and so I was the man of the house. And uh, who, was, who did? Uh, what do you mean you were the man of the house? You're ten years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, when my dad would leave, that's what he would tell me: is you're the man of the house. So I need you to take care of your mom and take care of your brother and your sister. And and I think that you know. So how that make how how that make you feel? What are you talking about there? Uh, I think as a kid, that's the great. I mean, that's a big feeling, right? It gives you a sense of what's uh, a big feeling. You have a responsibility, right? You have a responsibility. Wait to a minute! Wait a minute! Wait! 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 <laughs> you wanted that responsibility. Oh, uh, I think ten-year-olds love to be uh, be in charge. Well, of you did. I mean, sister. you know, there's other there's <laughs> other ways to react also, which is you know, I don't want that responsibility, but you felt great about that responsibility, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, I love that. I think that's something that uh, I've always enjoyed leading and. Um, and organizing. Does that have anything to do with the business stuff you've done? The fact you've started a couple of businesses that you've exited? Yeah, I mean, again, I think when you're starting a company, it's all about you're starting from zero. Everything is starting from zero. And so you you have to, I think it also plays back into playing golf. You know, golf was a sport not unlike a, a, uh, a team sport. Golf was something that was entirely on your own. You were the one who decided to get up in the morning and go practice. You were the one who decided to stay late. If what's that's what's what fascinating to me is you keep seeing connections between things, golf and business, and you know, being the oldest sibling and, and, and how that's affected your business. You're able to make these very interesting associations, these connections. I'm wondering, do you ever come up with business ideas? Sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's that's I. That's nothing I enjoy better than uh, if you were my spouse. You know, I've always got an idea for. So how you're to an do idea better, guy. What's that? That's who you're an idea guy. Yeah. So I, th I mean, my first company, I started uh, the, my first venture back company was something where I got burned in an online auction on eBay, and I thought this is a this is not a fun you know way to buy stuff on eBay. And I had been previously a uh, surety bond underwriter, an insurance company, and I thought. Well, if you can guarantee a $40 million construction contract, why can't you guarantee a $40 e-commerce contract? And what was the name of that company? BuySafe. Uh -huh. What happened to that company? That company is today uh, uh, owned by a couple of companies uh, like Symantec, the Hartford Insurance Company. So so you're, you're telling me that you, you're an idea. Did you used to have ideas as a kid also? How young were you when you started getting business ideas? <laughs> uh, I went to Crofton Woods Elementary School, and kids loved uh, bubble gum. And there was a 7-Eleven across a big highway, and I uh, had the bright idea. I don't think my mom and dad knew this, but I would drive across the highway and invest a quarter on a pack of bubble yum, and I'd come back to school and I'd sell each peach for a quarter. So um, you were breaking bulk at a young age. And I was, yes, I was, and uh, and so that was the first time I really uh, started to do that. And and but those things, I what, think. What did you do with the money? Did you go spend it right away? I buy five more packs. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me as opposed to buying a baseball glove or something with that money, you reinvested that money. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the fanciest car? <laughs> no. Well, isn't that the same car. thing? Well, you drive an old car. I do, I do. Why? But why don't you drive the fanciest car? Well, number one, I think it's a type of investment that doesn't get more valuable. But uh, oh, believe it or not, I'd also... Hold on, wait a second, wait a second. It's, so you like making investments. Like you went ahead and delayed gratification buying a baseball glove you went ahead and bought more gum you reinvested you know in more gum 
It's the same reason you're not spending your money on the fanciest car or the fanciest house. Isn't that true? You're resourceful. You're disciplined in your approach. I think if you're an entrepreneur that survives, you probably have been through some ups and downs and you've got to be pretty resourceful. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you really learned how to manage your cash. Um, as an entrepreneur who's been through ups and downs, yeah, I mean, I think that that's one. Of, it's one thing when you go out and raise, I think, you know, entrepreneurship, when you go out and raise a bunch of money from a venture capital, that's easy. Um, and then my most recent business, we've raised, you know, we've raised, uh, we raised some money from investors, but really at the end of the day, it's been just being resourceful and, and bootstrapping as much as anything. Mm-hmm. So you understand, you know, you're not buying fancy dancy chairs when you first start a business. You're trying to be very careful with how you apply that capital. Lawn chairs work just as well. And doors, we used to take, uh, do, uh, we buy a door. Uh, that you'd buy at hardware at the hardware store, and we put it on two file cabinets, and that was our desk. And it had the hole in there, so you could put the wires right through the uh, the top of the door. That's perfect. That's just <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, Stephen, what, what the, what's the website address if you know? U K N O W and U K N O W Kids. You know kids.com. Excellent. We've been speaking with Stephen Woda, CEO of You Know, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Sure. Nadine Gabay Botero. I am the president of the Association Fundraising Professional. Well, what, DC is the, what is the Association of Fundraising Professionals? We are an association for fundraisers in D.C. looking for education, networking, and a, and a group that really looks at ethics in fundraising. Uh-huh. So um, where are you from originally? I was born in Peru, uh-huh. and I was raised in Miami. And uh, tell me about the effect of your grandmother and your aunt on you. They were incredible women. Our, uh, my grandmother passed away, but my aunt is certainly still around. Um, my grandmother sort of said what she thought and was very dynamic, um, very bold. Um, my aunt was an entrepreneur, um, has had a, a legal recruiting business for years. And in both of them, I just saw women who who um, went after whatever they wanted and mm-hmm. said what they thought. So the, 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 the members of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, these are the professionals that help nonprofit organizations raise money, and they're usually dealing with many well the donors, these people really know how to handle themselves. I wonder if you got the confidence from your grandmother and your aunt to really be able to handle yourself when it comes to fundraising. I think that's right. It's really about um, in any situation. How about, how about your sister? What was your relationship with your sister, and how's your sister affecting you nowadays? Um, she's a wonderful, another entrepreneur. She has an organizing business. Um, Didn't you mention when you were a kid, you and your sister stuck together a lot? We did. We yeah. always were trying to entertain ourselves, both very creative, starting uh, whether we were... So not only did you learn how to handle yourself from your grandmother and your aunt, but you also learned about creativity from your sister. What's yeah. the website address of this Association of Fundraising Professionals? It is a afpdc.org. Let me have that one more time. Sure. afpdc.org. And what, what, do you, what do you enjoy most about your job as head of this organization? It is meeting the incredible people that uh, work in nonprofits and consultants in the area that are doing their best to raise money from, uh, from donors. And the website address one last time is? afpdc.org. And this has been your business spotlight. Your name and organization is? My name is Tonia Wellens. I'm vice president of the Greater Washington Community Foundation. Uh, I understand the Greater Greater Washington Community Foundation helps nonprofits get money and also helps raise money from donors. Am I correct about that? Absolutely. And what's your role in the organization? So my role is to help to define the civic leadership agenda and to fund nonprofits. Find All right. The so best you're finding you're support. finding the nonprofits that need help that are qualified. And uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Southern Virginia, Southampton uh-huh. County. How many brothers and sisters? I have two sisters, they're three girls. Where are you in the pecking order? Right in the middle. And how's that define who you are? Um, in so many ways. What do you uh, mean? So I had an older sister who was sort of the wild one, mm-hmm. a younger sister who was the artist, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and I was the geeky kid in the middle trying to find her way. And how's this, how's this job filling you? It just fills all of my... Uh, my, my values. What do you mean? What are you Serving talking the about? community, figuring out how to solve social problems, um, figuring out how to make community work, the very fabric of community, how to make it work. G- give me that again. What are your values? Um, understanding, solving problems, um, making the very fabric of community work. So you're out there trying to identify nonprofits that deserve help from the donors of your organization, and you really find that fulfilling. I absolutely do. There are so many great nonprofits, leaders, individual leaders who are giving their hearts and souls to um, to the community to you know to help the shut in to um, to solve uh, community issues, and I just enjoy the opportunity to bring resources to help them to do that. Wow, 
Wow. What's the website address of this organization? We're at thecommunityfoundation.org. Let me have that again. Thecommunityfoundation.org. And your name again is? My name is Tony Wellens. And what's your role in that organization? Vice President, Community Investment. So you're identifying the nonprofits that really need the help and that the organization is interested in funding. Let me have the website address one last time. We're at thecommunityfoundation.org. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. And we'd like to introduce Jody Hughes, who's the Regional President, Greater Washington Region, BB&T Bank. Jody, what is BB&T Bank? What are you guys doing? Uh, BB&T is a large financial services organization, uh, $220 billion in assets, uh, 30 plus thousand employees, originally founded in 1872. Wow, that's a large bank. And where are you from originally? I uh, grew up in South Carolina. And uh, what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? Uh, actually, uh, quite a bit. Uh, so during that time, uh, we, we moved three times. Uh, my father uh, had worked in a number of uh, machine shops, and uh, the economy was faltering in the early 80s and he lost his job several times and we had to move for uh his work mm-hmm. so uh how that he lost his job a couple what do you think his your dad losing his job a couple times what do you think that did to you how do you think that affected you yeah i mean it was it was it was tough i mean so uh anytime uh, uh he would lose the job because the place closed we would have to go somewhere else you would have to uh, integrate into the new school have to focus on finding new friends and uh what you learned in that is you learn to be uh, comfortable being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and finding finding your new place. Well, I got a question for you. How how many years have you been in your job? Uh, 22 years. You've been with the same company for 22 years? I have. So you certainly have a stick to Is that because, that, is that is that a, an effect because you that saw dad lose his job? It's one of the reasons that you want to establish safety and security for yourself and your family and for those around you? Absolutely. So one of the things in watching what happened to him was um, how disruptive it was. And I felt like if if I always uh, worked my hardest and did my best, and anytime I was asked to do something, jump in and do it to the best of my ability and establish that loyalty um, that I would be rewarded and taken care of. What do you mean that loyalty? What are you talking about? I read the newspaper about bankers. What are you talking about the loyalty? What do you Give me an example of what you mean by that. Well, I think, you know, just uh, remaining uh, steadfast at the company as long as I have 22 years. I've, uh, over that period of time, I've worked in seven different locations as we have, as we have bought different banks in different markets. And uh, each time I was asked to go, I have um, moved and gone to establish the PB&T brand and the culture in those markets. Interesting you use the word culture. Chris, what questions you got? Jody, I understand your grandfather was a big influence on you when you were a child. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, he was. Uh, my dad's father uh, was a big influence. Um, not a man with a lot of formal education, uh, but someone I looked up to. He uh, had spent a lot of his adult life in the military and also working in the construction business. And he always talked to me about the engineers he worked with, uh, in particular the, the mechanical engineers, and how important it was that I get an education like them. And so that had a had a profound impact on me. But you've already got an education. You feel like uh, your grandf- grandfather's influence is helping you in your day-to-day role running your company as well? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, so he, he was talking more about formal education, but at the same time, I've always had a, a, a thirst for continuous learning and continuing to learn. And, you know, through that journey, you, you figure out that what we really do day-to-day matters and we have an impact on, on those people around us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and through that impact, I mean, so mm-hmm. we impact you a lot think, of uh, people. You think your, your grandfather, uh, you think he'd be proud of what you're doing nowadays? I think so. Why? I, I think so because, you know, it, what we do every day in the financial services uh, is How about you, what you do? Do you, think dad would be, would you think grandpa would be proud of you, what you're doing nowadays? I think so. Why? I, because of the impact that I have on those around me. What do you uh, mean? You know what? Back to the importance of what I do. My purpose. My purpose is to impact those around me and to help them be better. We're not. We're not. Wait, 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 wait. You really mean that? I mean, I'm watching you. Give me that again. I I really. What we do every day. What I do matters. I have an impact not only to those associates that work with me, but the businesses I work with, the community that I work with. You really feel that responsibility. You don't usually hear bank presidents say this kind of stuff. John, what's your question? Jody, how old were you when you started making money? Uh, I was 12, maybe 13. What was the job? 
So I answered an ad in a newspaper um, that someone had put in there looking for someone to help with uh, odd jobs around a plantation. And so I went to see uh, the attorney who owned the plantation, and he wasn't expecting me. Uh, I'm not sure what he was expecting, but he wasn't expecting someone 12 or 13 years old. First thing he asked me was, do you know how to operate a chainsaw? Well, the honest answer was no. But mm -hmm. I'd seen my dad do it, and it mm -hmm. didn't look that hard. So, mm -hmm. of course, I told him yes, and uh, I started that week. Through the course of time, what, what, what were the variety of things you ended up doing there, aside from working the chainsaw? Uh, helped repair fences, uh, put in windows, um, general landscaping, cleaning horse stalls. Do you think he was generally surprised and happy with the variety of responsibilities you took on? It, it felt like that, you know, yes, I think so. And it was uh, more of starting out very easy and then just giving me more and more difficult jobs just to see if I could handle so it. So as a kid, you know, taking on this job at 12 and then expanding it over the course of time into a variety of other tasks because he learned that he could trust you and he learned that he could depend on you. I'm wondering, what's that have to do with your successful banking career? I, I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. So I've been willing to go to uh, many different locations under many different scenarios and I've been open to the possibilities that they offer. Mm -hmm. Michael? Uh, so you'd mentioned earlier that you have a younger brother uh, by four years. As you guys were moving around, uh, what kind of impact did you have on his life and uh, as, mm -hmm. as you're moving? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, well, hopefully he would say positive. Um, but, you know, in moving around, um, having a younger brother, you always had a built-in best friend. And so it made it a lot easier to go and integrate uh, having someone with you and um, helping him get to know people and um, making sure he stayed out of trouble at the same time. So you, you really enjoy relationships. I mean, you know, as opposed to beating your little brother up or leaving him behind, you know, like you really hung out with him. You really depended on him. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think we were good for each other. I mean, so again, you know, kind of back to, to some of the loyalty we talked about earlier. I was, I was loyal to him and in making sure that he was well, protected. Let me ask you a question. But at you the know, same time, he protected me. Well, uh, with your clients, mm -hmm. you know, with your, do you get to know them personally? Yes. Uh, you don't really read. I don't really read that about bankers. I read about bankers. You know, it's cut and dry and it's blood and guts. So you're telling me you develop personal relationships with your clients? I, I think you have to to be successful. I mean, so what what we do is not is not physical medicine, but outside of your physical well being, I think your financial well being is just as important. And whether in order to help somebody, I've got to get to know them. Whether they're buying their new their first home, saving for college, starting a business, selling a business, I have to know them and know what their hopes and dreams are. So you really care about the individual, their character, getting to know them, and uh, I guess one of the benefits of your clients getting to know you is they end up with somebody who's loyal to them, like you were to your brother. Absolutely. You know, and I hear that you know you really have this longevity thing going on. I mean, it's 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 amazing that you've been at the same organization for 22 years, rising through the ranks like you did, working for that attorney that owned that plantation, where you just kept on taking more and more responsibility on. I mean, your middle name sounds like it's responsibility. Is that true? <laughs> uh, I, I don't shy away from it. Let's say that. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I really hear that, and and it's rare nowadays to hear that. So I guess you know some of the stuff I read about bankers in the newspapers. It's it's maybe that's true but that's not who you are that's not who bb and t is it sounds to me like you know you really care about the relationships you really want to develop the relationships and for the long term do you have clients that you've known for 10 and 15 and 20 years i do uh, i've got a number of people that i still work with and um, all across the southeast that i keep in touch with on a regular basis i'll talk to as they're entertaining new projects or um doing different things with their business so and it's that's, that's part of the great thing about this job is you get to meet a lot of new people and learn about Wait what they're doing do you have folks that you met years ago where you're not necessarily in the same area nowadays but they still call you for advice and talk to you sure uh, not only do they call me there's times i've called them and asked them for advice as well yeah, you're all about situations. relationships what, what's the website address of this bank called bbnt yes uh, bbnt.com let me have that one more time bbnt.com we've been speaking with jody hughes regional president greater washington region bbnt bank here on executive leaders radio back in a moment right after this break and your name is John Hellerman. And John, what's uh, what's your organization's name? Hellerman Communications. And what is Hellerman Communications? What do you guys do? It's a public relations firm for professionals. We help uh, lawyers, accountants, uh, engineers, academics, anyone selling their expertise for a living. We help them differentiate it by getting credentialed and, and recognized. How do you guys how do you go about doing that? Well, we create strategic plans for each professional, and, and depending on their market, we help them. Uh, 
find the awards that are appropriate, join the groups that are appropriate, uh, expand their, their reputation and professional expertise. What were you like as a kid? Were you doing that kind of stuff when you were a kid? I was always working when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, what I kind of stuff of, were you doing? I found a lot of odd jobs. Um, I uh, you know, worked in uh, uh, the cash register at a used furniture store when I was very young. I, I busboyed when I was uh, in my teens. But I, I, you know, when I was traveling really? with my parents, I used to, uh, when I was very young, used to hook myself up with different jobs at resorts and things while I was staying there to, to get privileges like riding jet skis. or. What kind of stuff are you bringing from your childhood into your uh, professional career? Well, I think I was always just interested in meeting people, and so uh, I was always a curious kid, uh, and working with uh, different professionals, different expertise. Uh, we get to work on sort of the most intriguing things, the biggest headlines of the day, and, uh, and then we can do something else the next day. You like creating change. You like doing do. different, and promotion and marketing, huh? I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long have you been doing this for? Uh, just over 20 years. Oh, so you know what you're doing with marketing and PR. I guess it's changed over the years, hasn't it? Drastically changed. Uh-huh. Uh, from faxing things originally to now uh, communicating mostly via uh, social media platforms and group mm-hmm. chats and things like that. And what's the website address of your organization? It's www.hellermanllc.com. Let me have that one more time. www.hellermanllc.com. And we've been speaking with John Hellerman, president and founder of Hellerman Communications, here on Executive Leaders Radio. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We're continuing to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, The company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm-hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. And the name of the organization again is? Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Brian Johnson, CEO of Divi Cloud. Brian, what is Divi Cloud? Divi Cloud provides software for large enterprises so they can better secure their cloud infrastructure. Mm-hmm. How large or how small is this organization? We're at 30 people today. And uh, where are you from originally? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. How much venture capital have you raised to fund this business? We've raised $10 million to date. $10 million, uh-huh. And uh, how young were you when you started playing with computers and what was going on? I was about nine years old. My dad had bought a 286, and I wanted to learn how to make a game work on it. Uh-huh. The game wasn't working, so he invited an IT guy to come over and help us learn how to fix it. And that really turned me on to fixing problems on computers. How young were you? About nine. And you remember that the program didn't work and the computer didn't work and somebody came over to fix it. And how did you feel about all that? Well, the, guy's, the man's name was Jack. He came over and sat down and worked through it. And once he got the game working, I was just... I thought it was really interesting to watch him work through that problem. You still remember the guy's name. Absolutely. It was Jack. Uh-huh. So you think that had any effect on your business career, what happened at the age of nine? Absolutely. Uh, that was the my first taste of what I'm passionate about, which is computers. Whether it be networking or programming or anything about it, that was where I was driven, and it had a pretty massive effect all the way through my life. No, well, I'd say you raised $10 million. Michael? Growing up, I understand you had some difficulties in school. Can you uh, lead us through that path? That'd be a small understatement. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I certainly uh, I was uh, diagnosed with dyslexia and ADD when I was much younger. Uh, I was held back in first grade because I couldn't read. And as I went through my career, and or we want to call it a career through education, I struggled to learn. A lot of uh, a lot of organizations are built to teach kids a very certain way, and I learned by doing and by failing. And so at the end of the day, you know, most academics is around reading and memorizing. Uh huh. So uh, was there quite? Was, so how how'd your mom feel about what was going on at school? What ended up happening at school? <coughs> my mom was a straight A student. Uh, she absolutely uh, killed herself in her education, and so f- at first it was hard for her, but she was a very compassionate human being and uh, was very, very much wanted to find a way for me to excel. So at the end of the day, she went out of her way and did the extra effort to find the programs that I would excel in, uh, and she never gave up on me. Uh, huh. What do you think the effect of that is that, you, you know, that the Catholic school asked you to leave, mom found a better way you know, she went out of her way to find a creative way to get you educated. What do you think the effect of you uh, the effect on you has been? I think to never give up on myself, first off, and then as a, going into starting a company, companies are built by people. Hiring the best people is really important. Sometimes that means you hire someone who has the right skills at the time, and sometimes it means you hire people who are going to grow into being better people. So buying into them and believing people and getting them to believe in themselves is a big part of that. Huh. about that? I didn't realize that. Chris? Brian, I understand you were a soccer player uh, when you were a kid. Why don't you tell us about your experience playing soccer? Man, a um, lot of many, many lost games, uh, I would say, continues to drive into that failure concept. My, a lot of my teammates would sort of walk off the field with their heads down, and I would just move on to the next thing. And do you feel that that experience has influenced you in kind of the way you run your business today? Absolutely. Uh, being an entrepreneur is about facing adversity. It is about realizing that it's okay to fail. And the faster you fail, the faster you will learn what's going to work. Give me that again. Let me hear that again. What are you talking about? Which part? Yeah, about the failing. And it's like, I don't, number one, I, when I fail, I don't want to admit it to anybody. It sounds like you're happy to admit it. Absolutely. The faster you fail, the faster you learn. I think it, it ties back to how I had to learn uh, how to read, how I had learned how to do a lot of things growing up and all the way through high school, middle school, college. Uh, I failed at most of the tests that people gave me. So at the end of the day, it was about facing that adversity and, and learning what did and didn't work. So you're telling me if I don't do great in school, it doesn't mean I'm a complete failure in life? Uh, not from my experience, no. What are you talking about? Tell me more about that. You know, I would actually say that as I've gotten older, uh, looking back on my education, what I learned the most is how to deal with ADD and dyslexia. And I actually sometimes refer to ADD as my superpower, although my wife would completely disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really comes down to the fact that it allows me to juggle a lot of things in my mind at one time. And while I can't focus on any one thing at one moment, I do have certain things that I can hyper-focus on. So it's just a different way. It's not a disability. So ADD is your superpower because it allows you to focus on a bunch of different things. And then on top of being able to focus on a bunch of different things, you also have the ability of focusing in real deep. Correct. So as opposed to uh, you being crippled by your ADD, it sounds like you're empowered by it. Absolutely. I think that everyone's got you know, different gifts and talents they uh, bring to the table. Apparently mine is a disability, but I never viewed it that way. Yeah, it sounds like it's become a superpower. John? Hey, Brian. So that's uh, a great sort of observation about how you can turn ADD into a superpower. You also couple that with passion. Can you talk about where your passion comes from? Absolutely. Um, I think it I'm not sure exactly why I latched onto computers when I was really young. I'm not sure it's because it was something I was doing with my dad, so we got to work on it together, or if it was just the problem solving that I really enjoyed. But, you know, passion is an incredibly important part, not only in my own life, but in all the people that we employ at our organization. We hire for passion first, skills second. All right, give me that again. You hire, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're running a specialized software business, right? Absolutely. Okay, so you're telling me that as opposed to trying to hire the geekiest geeks, you're looking for what? Well, the geekiest geeks might also be the passion, most passionate people, but I would say that at the end of the day, the most passionate person is always going to be better than the person sitting next to him, regardless of the education. Wait a minute. So you're telling me you want people that are emotionally engaged in the business? Absolutely. Why? It means that they're going to do the extra effort. They're going to go out and learn why something isn't working just as opposed to just trying to find So if fix. you have a choice of hiring somebody who um, is passionate and turned on by the gig but has lesser skills or somebody that's got the skills uh, that may not be as turned on by it, you'd get the person in who's got the attitude Absolutely. as opposed to the skills immediately? People oftentimes grow into the areas they're in. And, and while skills do transfer from one job to the other, there's always going to be a learning curve. 
So at the end of the day, the people that can come in and be passionate about what they're doing are the ones who are going to learn the quickest and more importantly, maybe open up other doors you didn't see before. What do you mean open up other doors you haven't seen before? What are you talking about? They're going to ask the difficult questions. Why isn't this working the way I expected to and what can I do to make it better? And so you can tell them what that is, but oftentimes they're going to take it to the next step. So you th- you're looking for folks that, you know, one of the reasons ADD is your superpower is because, you know, you've, you've, tri- you've learned to figure things out for yourself. And you really like people that like to figure things out for themselves. Absolutely. Figure things out for themselves, challenge the status quo. I think if you look at my academics, I was certainly, uh, I got into Catholic school because I rode in the coattails of my sister, quite frankly. And at the end of the day, I you know, was always told, even I had a counselor in high school told me I shouldn't even go to college. I always meant to challenge that. And at the end of the day, I think people who go and challenge the status quo and are passionate about it are likely to find sometimes better solutions and sometimes not. Uh, so, but doesn't it make it more difficult to run an organization when everybody's trying to challenging the status quo? Yes. Uh huh. But, but it's worthwhile. What do you mean? You know, you find better people that way. I think most of the people you'd find working at our or company are people who are going to challenge, always trying to find a why. And sometimes that means it leads to long debates. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that I don't have all the answers. Are you married? Are answers. you married or single? I am married. Uh huh. You have any kids? I have two. Uh-huh. How old are they? I have a one-year-old as of this month and a four-year-old. Uh-huh. What's the similarity between being a CEO and a dad? Oh, my gosh. i got to be careful here. Look, the, certainly the four-year-old challenges us, that's for sure. And, and it's about trying to get her to do what we want her to do mm-hmm. uh, and be happy about it and be positive about it. My wife is a, was a zookeeper for many years and learned uh, that negative reinforcement doesn't work. So we uh-huh. focus very heavily on positive reinforcement, which I think leads to how we lead an organization. All right. Who wears that? Who wears the pants of that when you're at home? Who wears the pants in the family, you or your wife? My daughter. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I asked the question. So t- tell me, what does your wife know about human nature? She was a zookeeper. What are you talking about there? You know, my wife uh, learns, she has an instinct for uh, looking at people and reading people without them having to talk. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's about uh, she has a really great ability to find ways to empower the person regardless of, of what they can and can't tell you. And I think it was relates to me as uh, with some of my ADD, you know, leaving my keys in the house or having to put a st- uh, post-it note in the door when I leave to make sure I lock the door. So your These wife, are all things she figured out. So your do. wife's reading uh, body language and people's instincts. She's got a great instinct. Huh? Absolutely. Uh-huh. How long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been together about 12 years. Uh-huh. Why do you think she married you? I'm going to have to think about that question for a little bit, certainly. <laughs> she wanted a challenge, <laughs> she huh? Definitely she definitely is not stri- uh, shy mm-hmm. away from adversity. How about, um, is this the first company you've started? This is the first company I've ever started. Uh-huh. And how old were you when you started it? I was 30. I had uh, just left my job. I would made video games for Electronic Arts for many years. I uh, quit my job. Didn't my it, wife supported me and told me she was pregnant the same week. Oh, my gosh. Didn't it occur to you that most businesses fail? Absolutely. That seems and to be something I'm okay with dealing with, though. Uh-huh, yeah, it's because you're comfortable with adversity. You're comfortable with dealing. How, how old is this business? We're, uh, we're five and a half years old now. And how's the company doing nowadays? We actually, in the first couple of years, as most entrepreneurs know, it can be a little challenging. The last two and a half years have been absolutely amazing. Uh, we've uh, grown revenue, uh, very significantly tripled our revenue every year for the last two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you had a choice, would you have done it all over again? Absolutely. Why? It's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, when you, if it goes back to wait, being wait, passionate wait. What, about what time do you start your day in the morning? <laughs> uh, my, my son likes to get up about 5 a.m. How about uh, in terms of business? What time do you start working at emails or thinking about business? That's funny. Um, one of the things about our culture and our company is that we find a work-life balance that works for everybody. I don't really ever stop working, but I don't ever, ever stop living either. Mm-hmm. So you're integrated, your business life and your personal life, it's all integrated. Absolutely. So even though you're working 25 hours a day, eight days a week, you know, you're know, tr- you still trying to be a human being, and even though you're putting in those hours, it's okay with you. Absolutely, and I think is a, one of the things I've had the opportunity to learn from other CEOs who've been successful is that you've got to make time for your family. What's the website address of this organization? DiviCloud.com. How do you spell that? D as in dog, I-V-V-Y, cloud.com. Let me have that one more time. DiviCloud.com, D-I-V-V-Y, cloud.com. We've been speaking with Brian Johnson, CEO of DiviCloud, here on Executive Leaders Radio, back in a moment, right after this break. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? 
Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're you're well, you're running a twenty-four by seven facility, aren't you? We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. I'm Tina Leandi. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet. The first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows? the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, th- your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events through art uh, through a happy hour mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm-hmm. that's what's exciting so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? hell no it's a lot longer uh-huh. than that baby so do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that sure sure let me have the website address of this sure, organization bid.com and, and you can download boston connect mobile app let me have uh, let me have that website address one more bostonbid.com it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men 
get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Bruce McNamer, President and CEO of the Greater Washington Community Foundation. Bruce, what is the Greater Washington Community Foundation? Well, like community foundations in most major cities in the United States, we are the philanthropic hub and endowment for giving in this community. We raise money Mm -hmm. from wealthy people in this community, and we grant money in this community for causes that need it the most. Excellent. What kind of dollars are you uh, investing each year? About $90 million. Wow. So you're raising about $90 million, and you're donating that to a variety of charities that are that are qualified. Where are you from originally? I'm from Montana. And um, how many brothers and sisters? I've got four younger sisters. Four younger sisters. All right. When did you find yourself, it seems to me, with this community foundation, you're like in the middle of it all. When did you find yourself in the middle of it all, 8 to 14 years old? You know, those were, by definition, probably name was transition years. For me, the transition was from being a curious, geeky, enthusiastic kid to finding sports um, and the broader out-of-yourself team competitiveness, the joy that goes with that. Chris? Bruce, one of the sports you told us you played was football. Why don't you tell us about that and tell us about your role on the football team? I loved the game, um, and uh, I was pretty good at it. And um, in high school, I uh, played offense and defense and was the captain of my team my senior year. The captain, was that uh, a role that the coach appointed, or was that a role that the team elected? No, that was an elected I elected by my teammates. And, w- yeah. and why do you think your teammates elected you as captain of the football team? I expect it was a, f- a couple things. I think one, probably acknowledgement of how hard I worked. I worked pretty hard at being in shape, at, at being a good player. Um, but also, I think um, it was a relatively small school. I knew people in other contexts and had a lot of good relationships with my teammates and had leadership roles in other aspects of high school life. Was this sort of similar to what you were talking about being in the middle of it all? Yeah, very much. And do you think that's something that you've brought forward into your uh, career here? Maybe inevitably, yeah, I think so. Michael? Bruce, where do you get your sense of community from? It all goes back, for any of us, doesn't it, to uh, my childhood um, and my parents' own um, sense of commitment to and work in the community um very like catholic what? Give family us, give us an example what do you bringing mean? that way so my parents were both very civically involved um How? in prominent ways How? You know, they, they would start the opera or they were on the board of saint vincent de paul society or in the church but also in very intimate everyday ways um my if someone had died my mom was the first one there with a casserole and consolation um my parents both made it a point to visit old elderly people who were shut in or people in the hospital. Are you going along to those as a 10-year-old? Oh, yeah. That was just part yeah, of what that we sounds did. sounds kind of terrible, though. No? no, it was just uh, part of how we lived and grew up, and we didn't actually think that much about it. What do you mean? So you, you actually went along with these things and became part of the community doing this as opposed to resenting the fact your mom's dragging you along to a funeral? No, we didn't, um, we didn't resent things. <laughs> that just wasn't part of the gig. Um, and it was just part of what we did. And as I was saying earlier, I, we only know what we know when we're growing up. Mm-hmm. Bruce, talk about your mom a little more. She's from Ireland. How she affected yeah. your life? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was um, larger than life. Uh, still is, in fact. Um, but um, she has a very kind of big presence. She's got this accent. She's extremely charming. Um, She's um, kind of a take-charge person. and um, You mentioned earlier that mom was uh, orphaned. How yeah. do you think that affected mom? Uh, she was a scrappy kid. Um, mm-hmm. and um, You think it affected her uh, willingness and wantingness to give back to the community, the fact that she was an orphan? A couple ways. One is she basically was raised in a uh, convent by uh, Catholic nuns, and so that inevitably impacted her. 
And some of it's just uh, something I think from birth. It's kind of essential to who she is. How, how did that all come through the bloodline to you, and how's that showing up in your career nowadays? Well, again, I think I'm I'm a creature. My my mom and my dad. My my father also was that way. He was in very. He looked a lot like Jimmy Stewart, and he acted a lot like Jimmy Stewart. Um, mm-hmm. And that combination, and how they thought about uh, their role in community, and the importance of that, and the extent to which they almost took that for granted. What do you mean? It was just, it wasn't a very self-conscious thing. It was just, this is how you live, and this is how, and that didn't you're define them about, entirely. You're talking about dad having a lot of integrity and kindness, just being a sweet guy. Yeah, yeah. So you had mom who was giving back to the community because she was an orphan herself, and you got dad who was a really sweet guy who's got a lot of integrity and kindness. How's that coming through in you nowadays? You'd have to ask other people, but um, that certainly would be the aspiration I would have to be some good combination of them both. But I think just given what we do every day, it's you get up and you go to work and you yeah, get to make a difference. What you're doing is you're helping nonprofits raise money from the and you're helping you're, you know you're talking to donors about getting these nonprofits the monies they need to give back to the community. Michael, did you have another question there? Yeah, you mentioned um, you have four younger sisters. What effect did that have on you growing up? And also you've mentioned kind of building some bonds with your dad as a result. So can you go in a little bit more about that? Yeah, and again, I'd, I'd say um, you're not aware of how these things affect you. But um, in retrospect, um, and maybe in a way that's stereotypical, growing up around a lot of girls, um, maybe I had a little more empathy and a little more ability to listen because I listened a lot. <laughs> Uh, necessarily to my sisters uh, um, but also it, it, my dad and I were kind of we, we were the boys and uh, we had a kind of special relationship because of that and one that I really treasured so you really appreciate relationships you know yeah I hear on one hand that you're connected with your sisters you're listening to them and I hear and your mom and I hear how you know nonetheless it was sort of nice the relationship you had with your dad you really value relationships Very don't much, you yeah so in terms of when it comes to raising dollars and when it comes to donating these dollars, are you really engaged with the donors and engaged with the nonprofits? Very much, and I think we at the Community Foundation are that way. It's in our collective DNA, but I, I find that um, mm-hmm. in what I do, and mm-hmm. as most of us, what we do in life, it begins and ends with relationships. What's the website address of this organization? Thecommunityfoundation.org. Let me have that one more time. Thecommunityfoundation.org. Org. Uh, then we've been speaking with Bruce, Bruce McNamer here, uh, President and CEO of the Greater Washington Community Foundation. We've also had the opportunity of speaking with Stephen Woda, CEO of You Know, followed by Jody Hughes, Regional President, Greater Washington Region, BB&T Bank, Brian Johnson, CEO of Divi Cloud, and again, most recently, Bruce McNamer, President and CEO of the Greater Washington Community Foundation. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, John Yetman, AEG, Mike Rossnow, Arlington Chamber of Commerce, and Chris Shiplett, Randolph Law, for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. What is the website address for the Arlington Chamber of Commerce, Michael? Arlingtonchamber.org. Let me have that one more time. Arlingtonchamber.org. All right. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.